Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. You know, he, 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 oh, I love my husband so much, but you know, he just says things sometimes, you're like, what? But he's got, he's got such a good heart, you know, he just, he just like says things, you're like, oh, okay, oh, okay, right? Um, thank you guys for having me here, and, and, and John and Kaya, thank you guys so much for allowing me in your pulpit. It's a big thing for a pastor to allow someone else into their pulpit to speak, so it means a lot to me, and I'm honored to be here. And, uh, uh, you know, I like to say this, listen, when your pastors speak into your life, just receive it. Because they, they care for you. They're not trying to harm you. They want to help you, right? And the words that they speak, it's life. They're speaking life into you. They're planting seeds into you because they want you to grow in, in character and grow in Christ. So just receive what they say today. So let, um, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this time we can come together, Lord. I thank you for this fellowship, God. I thank you that we are one in you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is already here, Father. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to the word that you have for us today, Lord, that we would be good soil, Lord, and we would bring forth fruit for your kingdom, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Um, So this weekend, you know, uh, we were talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking the Lord, right, ladies? And so if you, you, listen, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but if you weren't there, you missed out. Ladies, you got to get there. Like, seriously, man, good things happen, right? Good things happen when you get, when you get people out of their comfort zone. And you can just, ugh. Right? God's just like, ugh. You know, and you're like, oh, I'm hearing, I'm listening, I'm listening. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We talked about this weekend about righteousness. I'm going to talk today about peace. The kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. Part of the kingdom of God is having the peace of God. So my, t- my sermon title today is, are you in peace or are you in pieces? Are you in peace or are you in pieces? In 1 Peter 3.11, it says, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. The previous verse said that he will have good days on this earth. He said, let him seek peace and pursue it. So not only is peace a part of being in the kingdom, it's to be sought after. Because how many of y'all know, we don't always walk around in perfect peace. We don't always walk around with, with a perfect peace, right? Chaos gets in. Our life happens, and so we oftentimes, we say, we lose our peace. Well, we didn't lose our peace. We let things in. We let things into our life because peace needs to be sought after. Are you seeking after peace in your life? And see what happens, right, is that we make goals. We make goals for our life, and goals are good, right? And there's a scripture, right, it says, without a vision, the people perish. And we like to say, well, that's about goal making, but it's not. It's about having a revelation of God's will and God's way. That's what that scripture means. Or the people perish if we don't understand God, what he's wanting for us, his will, his way. But that's not about goals, right? And what happens was, is that we will set up a goal for our life. And when we don't accomplish that, we lose our peace. 
because our peace is in our goal making. But God's peace is through the process. God wants to give us peace through the process. Do you know, I make, I make goals for my life. I'm not telling you goals are bad, but, you know, the, some of my big goals are always pray more, obey more, surrender more, read the Bible more, love more. Like, those are, those are awesome goals because I know that those goals will be accomplished. Right? Because what we do as humans, we will make a goal, we will set it up, and we won't have peace until we accomplish that goal. But peace is found through the process because God's bringing us through something. He's doing something in us. So I ask you today, when will that day in your life come? In that day, Jesus says, you will ask me nothing because you will not need to as you will be certain that God will reveal things in accordance with his will. The faith and peace of Jesus has become the real attitude of your heart and there will be no more questions to be asked. Your inner spiritual nature is willingly submitted to the life of Christ. Your understanding will be perfectly clear. When will that day come in our life when we just trust that God knows what he's doing? That's what he's saying. When will that day come? When we're like, we're okay with the process, with what God's doing us, and we're just going to trust that he knows what he's doing. Because it's through the process. John 16, 23, In that day you will not need to ask me anything. I assure you, most solemnly say to you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it. When, when will you have that peace? What, when will that day come, that peace will just be, God, I've asked you, I believe you, no matter what it looks like, no matter what happens, no matter what my circumstances are, God, I'm trusting you, and I'm going to be at peace. When will that day come? Right? I'm a, uh, um, I'm a runner. I like to run. I've been running for probably 23 years now. I run, uh, I try to run 20 to 30 miles a week. So, um, I like to run outside most of the time, but, you know, in Seattle, it's kind of crazy up there. So it was snowing this one time, so I went to the gym, and I get on the treadmill, and it had stopped snowing, and the sun came out, and my treadmill overlooks a pool, right? And so the Lord, I'm, I'm always praying as I'm running, so I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm talking to the Lord, and the Lord says, like, Crystal, look out over that pool, and the pool was real peaceful. It was real calm. There was no one in it, right? You ever seen water at peace? I mean, it's just still, it's like glass. Right? And the sun was coming through the big windows, and there was a, a beam that made a shadow beam across the pool. And the Lord said, like, as long as it's peaceful, you can see that beam, and you can walk across safely. Right? And he goes, keep watching. Well, and I couldn't see the whole pool, and so someone comes in from the, the right-hand side, and there's a little ripple that goes through, right? And my, I'm watching my beam, and it's going, it's going like this. I'm like, oh... And then another person comes in, another person comes in. Next thing you know, they're doing water aerobics in there, <laughs> right? And they're splashing everywhere and stuff. And I was like, God, I can't see. And he goes, that's what happens when we let things into our peace. We can't see clearly. We can't see it across clearly. We can't see our way. And he said, we let these things into our pool. We let things in. And they're distractions, they're little things, right? 
And like I said, you let enough stuff in, next thing you know, there's a bunch of 80-year-old women doing aerobics in your pool. Like, like I, I can't cross that. How do I get across that now? Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We will be in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him because we trust him. Right? So that's that twofold. Eyes on him, trust him. 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 But see, the majority of humanity, we're just, we're shallow humans sometimes, right? We are, we're shallow human beings. And so we look at our comforts, we look at our ease, and we, we relate that to peace. So if I'm, well, if I'm not comfortable, if I'm not at ease, then I'm not at peace. And the Spirit of God comes in, and he likes to disturb that equilibrium of our life. And then we ignore what he's revealing to us. Peace. God wants to kick over those idols in our life that we set up. It's funny that Kai even mentioned that this week and talking about those idols, and I was like, that's in my notes. <laughs> that's in my notes. In Genesis, and if you remember the children of Israel, right, they went through the wilderness when it, they're, they're going through that, they had went through the promised land and they get to a place and Moses goes up into the mountain and so Moses has gone 40 days. He's 40 days, that's not very long, I'm thinking, right? They're, he's gone 40 days and so they ask Aaron to build them an idol. And what's interesting about that portion of scripture is they say, build us an idol and they, they, they actually use the term Yahweh which at that time referred to any kind of God, not just God, God, but any kind of God, even a pagan God or whatever, right? And so you're not sure who they're, what they're talking about. But then, then they say, build us an idol, Yahweh, and we're going to praise the Almighty. So what they meant was, build us an idol, this is what we want, and we're going to call it God. And we do that in our own lives. We build up these idols, and we, we call it Jesus, and we're like, I'm praising Jesus, but it's an idol that we've built up. We're no different than the children of Israel. You know, we, we like to think we were. We're like, well, that would never be me. And I'm like, oh, shoot. That is me. Right? That is me. So God wants to kick over some idols. The first thing about peace is that it requires knowing who you are in Christ. Peace requires knowing who you are in Christ and finding your identity in Christ alone. In Christ alone. And 1 Peter 2 9 says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priest, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. My identity is I am a child of God, period. That's my identity. That's my identity. I am God's child. And if you don't walk in that and receive that, 
You're going to be all over the place. Your peace is going to be all over the place. Are you prepared to purposely disregard yourself? The continual inner searching we do in an effort to see if we are what we ought to be generates a self-centered, sickly type of Christianity, not the simple life of a child of God. It's simple. Just be a child of God. Well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? All this sort of stuff. Just be God's child. One of my favorite scriptures is Enoch walked with God and he was not. It didn't say anything else about him, but he walked with God. You don't know what he did. You know where he went, but he knew who he was and he walked with God. And that's all, if that's all that's ever said about me, I'm okay with that. Crystal walked with God and she was not. I'm a child of God. That's it. Period. Period. But unfortunately, you know, we, we live in this world. We live in a fallen world and we begin to put our identity in other things. Yeah. We begin to put our identity into other things. Jesus did not come so we could find ourselves, people. He came to, we could be found in him. But, you know, that... That's what's being taught out there a lot. You got to find yourself, find yourself, find yourself. And Jesus says, lose yourself and let me be found in you. Lose yourself and I'll be found in you. But what we like to do, we like to modify our Christianity. Anybody know what a modifier is? A modifier adds to or subtracts from the noun it's modifying. That's what a modifier does. So we say things like, right, I'm, I'm a white Christian. I'm a black Christian. I'm a Hispanic Christian. Come on, somebody. Because what happens is that modified Christianity comes under attack and you lose your peace. Now, I'm not saying you can't have your culture. I'm Hispanic on the inside. I'm Miklo Holmes. <laughs> but when our identity is found in something else, it's going to come under attack at some time in your life. If it's not in Christ alone, it's going to come under attack. And you're going to get upset, you're going to get angry, you're going to get bitter, and you will lose your peace. Because your identity was not in the fact that you were a child of God, period. Period. That's it. I'm a child of God, period. That's why we can say we're twins. We're children. We're sisters. We're sisters in Christ. We got the same spirit flowing through us. I got the blood of Christ flowing through me. Don't matter what we look on the outside. I'm not saying we can't celebrate our diversity because we have diversity. Celebrate your culture. Right? I love culture. Right? I love, I love diversity. God loves diversity. He loves those things. But that is not our identity, people. My identity is in Christ alone. And I'm telling you right now, if you do not get that settled in your heart, you will not have peace. You will lose it. You will lose your identity. 
It is in Christ alone. God's will and desire for us is to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we, that is our identity of being conformed to the image of Jesus. We're all being conformed in the image of Jesus. That's all of us. We were predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. So all of us that have taken on the nature of Christ, got to let that nature in us and let that nature come out of us. And we're, we're being conformed. We're being sanctified. And it's this process, right? Peace is found through the process, not in the outcome, not in the goal. It's through the process. Is it God's purpose or my purpose? Right? We think that if Christ compels us to do something and we are obedient, he will cause us great success. But our dreams for success are not God's purpose for us. Whether we arrive at a particular goal is not God's purpose. His purpose is for us to trust him and depend on him. To stay calm, faithful, and unconfused in the middle of the turmoils of life. That's where peace is. Staying calm, unconfused. Why? Because my eyes are on him and I trust him. Right? He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because I trust him. And so if you're losing your peace, if you have no peace, is your mind on him or are you trusting him? Through the process. Because what he desires for me is to trust that he is at work in my life even when I see no end in sight. Come on, somebody. Y'all are all just, maybe it's just me. Everybody else here, y'all are just, y'all are good. Y'all have arrived. No. Right? We're, we're, how many times have you not seen an end in sight? Come on. How many times have we not seen an end in sight? All those ladies are doing aerobics in your pool. And I, when are, when are they going to get out? I got a cross. When there's no end in sight, do you trust that he knows? Do you trust that he cares? Do you trust that he's going to see you through? Right? Jesus culture sings that song. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. And sometimes you feel like that. Man, it's so wide, I never thought I'd reach the other side. Because you're in the middle of it. You're in the thick of it. What am I going to get through? But we're supposed to have peace through that if we keep our mind stayed on him and trust him through the process. Think about the children of Israel. And I think about them, right, all the time, the children of Israel, like, Man, if they would have trusted God through that process, then that would have been the generation. They had, to, they had to kill off a whole generation to go into the promised land. Are you trusting him right now or are you complaining? Because complaining shows that we are not satisfied with God's provision. That's what it does, ladies, gentlemen. Sorry, there's men here too today. I was like, I was with ladies all weekend and gentlemen, <laughs> sir. 
<laughs> but complaining shows that we are not satisfied with God's provision. What's coming out of our mouth? Let me bring to your attention some instances of grumbling and complaining here by the children of Israel. Numbers 11.1, 1, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Don't think God doesn't get angry. And then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. More complaining, 11, 5 through 6. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except manna before our eyes. The provision of God. Manna is the provision of God, but we want onions. Garlic and leeks. Yet still more complaining. Numbers 14, 1 and 2. There was a time when the spies returned from searching out the promised land and returned with an unfavorable report. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Do you see a pattern? Right? God, God brought them out of bondage. We've been brought out of bondage, folks. We've already been brought out of bondage. You may be wandering in the wilderness for a while, but God's going to feed you. He's going to take care of you. Right? And we got we to gotta accept that provision for the time that we're in. And say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for providing in the desert. You know, 40 years and they're closed and it get holes in them? I wear socks one time and get a hole in it. 40 years. If you see God leading or moving the way you think he should, if you don't see him leading or moving the way you think he should, I caution you from grumbling and murmuring, griping and complaining, and just stop and thank him. If you catch yourself grumbling, murmuring, complaining, just stop and say, you know what? I'm right, right here, right now, God. Thank you. Thank you. Did y'all wake up? Because you're here, so I assumed you woke up today. If you're sitting here, I assume there's breath in your lungs. No one's passed out yet. Yet. <laughs> Let me enlighten you a little bit. When you murmur, it's actually against God. And murmuring and complaining is a sin with serious consequences. Numbers 14, 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. And all of you were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Everybody from 20 years old and above died. Who's over 20 here today? That's a lot of us. <laughs> it's quite a bit of us, right? And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, uh, in my mind, I'm like, murmuring, complaining, that's not so bad. You know, I'm thinking like sin, I'm like, sexual sin, that's the sin, you know. 
We want to, oh, this sin, that's over here. But God said murmuring and complaining. They fill. Boy, watch your tongue. You catch yourself murmuring and complaining against God, just stop. Just stop and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Because you know what? If he never did another thing for me, he did enough on the cross. If he never did another thing, he did enough on the cross. He saved me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Man, re remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of what he's done in your life already. In Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of destruction that lays at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. And there's a greater meaning here. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be in the midst of these things. Because there's some testimony. People have been through some stuff, folks. What it means is it will not affect you. It can't have any effect on you if you dwell in his presence. You may go through it, but if you dwell in his presence, it's not going to affect you. You may go through the famine. You may go through the fire. He said, when you go through the fire, I will go with you. When you go through the flood, I will be there. But it's not going to have any effect on you if you dwell in his presence. That's the peace of God. That's his peace. Says, God, no matter what, I trust you. I can go through this because I trust you. I got my eyes on you. I trust you, and I'm dwelling in your presence. God, I'm not leaving your side. It shall not come near you. Life is a set of mountains and valleys, right? That's a great song. I love that song. God of the hills and valleys, right? And seriously, life, life goes like this. It's a set of hills and valleys. But here's the thing. The child of God needs to be like this through it. So as this is going like this, you're going like this. You might face a little bit of turbulence, but our life should not be like this. In the valley, our mindset, our peace, our, it, we go with his presence, we should be like this. In the valleys down here, and we're like, I'm soaring with the Lord. Because God's got this. He's with me. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fail. He's not going to allow this to kill me. If our mind is stayed on him, if our eyes look to him, that's the way we should be. Because listen, people are watching you all the time. And they watch how we go through things. And when you absolutely lose it, they're like, what kind of Christian are you? What kind of God is that? 
And we say how great our God is. And he's a great God. But like, why can't we trust him when we're going through that? Why do we got to lose it? Right? We, we let those people in our pool. Pretty soon, right? They're doing aerobics. I'm a, uh, uh, when I was a kid, I really loved King Arthur and King Arthur's stories and stuff. Is anybody, anybody else like King Arthur? Is that just a nerdy thing? Is that a nerdy thing? Thank you, Pastor John. Pastor John likes it, so I'm, I'm okay. So I love King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and it, it's, it's not a real story. It's, um, it's fiction stories, but uh, so King Arthur had a half-sister, and she was a witch, and so she wanted to take over Arthur's kingdom. And so what she did is she, she, um, she bewixed him. Is that, is that how you say that? Be, bewitched him, right? Betwixt, betwixt, betwixt two things. She bewitched him and uh, she had the facade of his wife and she went in and had sex with him so that she could have his baby so that her kid, right, would be from the king and could take over the land, right? And I... As I was reflecting on this, God brought this story to mind and he says, that's what we do in our lives. We plant our own seeds through deception. We do what we want to do, planting our own seeds, thinking someday we're going to take over the kingdom with our seeds. And God comes and he plucks it up and we're like, what the heck? What the heck? And he said, you had no right to that seed. That was your will, your desire, your way. You did it on your own. You thought you had the keys to the kingdom. He said, the whole time it was me. The whole time it was me. I planted my own desires. I planted my own seeds. And listen, when God plucks things up, it hurts. When God plucks things up that we planted, it's painful. It's painful. But you got to let him do it. Uprooting can be very painful. In James 4, 1 through 3, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that warn your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your pleasures and desires. So he says, you're, you're asking, but you're really doing it yourself. Because it's for your way and your things. And so God comes and he starts plucking it up and we're confused. We get confused when God plucks things up. We're like, that, God, that was my, that's my desire, that's my will. And God's like, whoop, and we're in pain, and we have no peace, and we end up bitter and resentful against God. Because he said, you have no right to that. Because guess what? God cares about you, and he cares about what you're doing. He cares about those things in your life. So when God is plucking it up, it's for a reason. It's not because he's some mean dad that just is like, Look at you, planted. I'm plucking all this up, man. I'm just going to tear up your garden. 
James 3.16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Listen to that. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Hello? Self-seeking is confusion and evil. Is that what we're doing in our own life? That's what we're doing in our own life. You know, uh, my, you know, my identity was always wrapped up in different things. Um, my mom was a real bad alcoholic and druggy when I was growing up, and so um, she abandoned me all the time. And so, you know, for a, a long time, I lived with a Hispanic family. That's why I say I'm a Hispanic, right? I lived with the Nahara family for a long time, and um, and and so, you know, I always wanted to be Hispanic. And then when I when I was in school and stuff, I always made really good grades. And so I was like, I'm the smart girl. You know, it's like your identity gets tied in these things, right? I I, I wasn't I, I wasn't rich. Um, I, in fact, I was, I, was, I was really poor. I know what it's like to go without food, not because I choose to, because I didn't have anything to eat, okay? Like, I, I, I went without, and so I, I was just this, you know, poor little girl that was so confused about everything, and so I just poured my life into, into my school and what I was going to do with my life. And so um, I went to college. I was going to be a physical therapist, and I got saved when I was, I got saved when I was 23 years old, and... Um, you know, the Lord began working in me. Uh, let the Lord start working in my life. And <clears throat> I, was, I was in the middle of going to school. I was going, to phys- I was going into physical therapy school. I was getting my bachelor's in biology. And I had a 4.0 in school. Um, I was in, like, the who's who of the college books and stuff. I always prided myself on my grades, you know. I applied to physical therapy school. I had got in. I did great on all my tests that I had to do, on all my interviews. I did 100 hours in um, physical therapy volunteer work. So to get in physical therapy school, you have to do volunteer work in the hospital and stuff. So I already did my 100 hours of physical therapy work. And so I'm in my last year, and God told me to quit. I was in my last year, and God told me to quit. And I told God, I said, I'm not quitting. I told God, I said, I'm, I'm not quitting. And so it began this battle and God was fighting me all the time. He said, you're going you're gonna to quit. And I'm like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Literally, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. My stomach was in knots. If you've ever wrestled with God, when God has told you to do something and you refused, you know. It's a bad, there is no peace in that. Where self-seeking exists, it's confusion in every evil way. God kept saying, quit, quit. You need to quit. You need to quit. And I was like, this is my life. This is who I am, God. You don't understand. This is who I am. I can't quit. This is who I am. And finally, I finally had to quit because I, I was a wreck. I was a mess. My life was a mess at that point because I, I kept being disobedient and, and I, I mean, I was just so, my mind, right? You know, I couldn't think straight or anything. And so on that Wednesday night, remember, I went to, I went to, uh, to church and I was sitting on the pew and, 
I was just crying. My pastor came over and he's like, Crystal, what's going on with you? And I said, I said, Pastor, I said, I just quit school. And I'm crying because I'm like, this is my life. This is my plans. This is what I was going to do with my life. Now I have nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he just put his arm around me. He's like, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, for being a failure? For quitting? I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I don't have any skills. So I went to work at a tanning salon. And I met my husband two weeks later. <laughs> and I would never had met him if I hadn't quit school. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I've been married 19 years with two kids. We planted a church almost 15 years ago. I would not be here if I hadn't obeyed God in that. And he plucked up my dreams, folks. Don't sit there and think these are my dreams, right? I mean, like, this is what I want to do, and God's going to bless it. And he plucked them up. He plucked them up, and it hurt because it hurts when God plucks up our dreams. When he plucks up the things that we wanted, it hurts. But he has something better. He has something better. Right? He says, I know the plans I have for you. My plans for you. Not, you know the plans that you have for you. Because that's the way I read it. I know the plans I have for me. God says, I I know the plans I have for you. There's no peace in confusion. There's no peace in isolation, folks. There's no peace in isolation. You know, I had a friend, um, just like she stopped going to church about four years ago. And listen, I know people say all the time, it's like, well, I'm not going to church, but I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still praying and doing devotions. And I'm like, you are not. You're lying to yourself. (laughs) It ain't happening like that. Like, you ain't in fellowship. You ain't doing all that. She was like, I'm going to the doctor. She said, I'm so sick. I'm having palpitations. I'm, I'm having anxiety. I'm having this. And I said, that's spiritual. Because she said, well, church is about family. Family goes to church together. And I said, well, if you want to think that, you, you need that. If your husband's not going to do it, you need to be the example to your husband. And she isolated herself. And I, was like, and I told her, I was like, Satan works overtime in isolation. He does. He works overtime in isolation. And he will mess with your mind. And you know what? He starts messing with your mind. He messes with your body. You start having stress and problems, anxiety, palpitations. You're going to end up in the ER. And they're like, what's wrong with me? You're stressed. There's no peace in that. There's no peace in isolation. There's no peace in pride. Because grace only works in humility. It says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, then he gives more grace to the humble. I'm like, listen, I fight my flesh. I fight against the world. I fight against the devil. I don't need to be fighting God, so I'm just going to bow down. I, I, don't, I don't need that. I need God on my side. So I'm just going to bow down, God. I ain't got this. I'm dumb. You're smart. I'm little, you're big, (laughs) your way is best. 
and I'm just going to bow down to you, God. I'm just going to believe that you know what you're doing, and I'm just going to humble myself before you, God. Anything that stems from I is, a, is, is pride. Because Satan says, I, I will be exalted. I will ascend to the heights. I, I, I. But God said, right, for God so loved the world. For God so loved others. Right? We, humility is bowing down in that. Say, God, I can't do this on my own. Lord, I need you. I need, I need other people. I need you guys to help me. I need you guys to hold me accountable. I need you to walk beside me. When I, when I can't look up, I need a sister to help me look up. Man, get rid of the pride. You need more grace. Do you want a title or a towel? Because I wants the title. But Jesus was a servant. Jesus took the towel. I wants the title. I did this. Look, I, 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 I. But Jesus said, why don't, why don't you die? Let me live through you. We take the towel. We take the towel. Look unto Jesus. True inner peace is impossible unless it is received from Jesus. Have you received his words? John 6, 63 says, It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Have you received those words? John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, my peace I give to you. But do you receive that word? Are you going to receive it? Are you going to look to Jesus? Are you going to look to Jesus? Seek his presence. Seek his face, right? It's a setting of our mind to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my thoughts, God. Right? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And it says, whatsoever things are good, pure, right, and true, think on those things. If you don't control your thought life, you will never be at peace. Yeah. We, because, you know, we, we're ruminating on something. Ruminate means that you take in a thought and you just, you, you do it over and over and over again, right? We're ruminating on this. So what, what we normally do, we take the negative stuff, we begin ruminating on that. We look at our problems, we begin ruminating on that. Man, there's a bunch of ladies in my pool doing aerobics. What the heck? Get out of my pool. Right? We're ruminating on the problem. Ruminate on him. Why don't you ruminate on what so things are good and pure and right and true? Why don't you ruminate on his word? But you have to control your thoughts. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Right? The mind, where the mind goes, the eyes, we're going to follow Look to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, laid aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and fin- He's the author and finisher. Because, you know, I, I like to say run your race, but it's not, I mean, I, I'm running my race, but it's looking to Jesus. I'm not just out running my race through the woods with nothing, you know, aimlessly. It's run your race, look to Jesus. You're going, look to Jesus. You're in the midst of it, look to Jesus. You're going through it, look to Jesus. Are you troubled? Look to Jesus. Are you in despair? Look to Jesus. Are you afraid? Look to Jesus. Are you confused? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Does it feel like your life's in disrepair? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Reflecting in his peace is proof that you are right with God because you are exhibiting the freedom to turn your mind to him. But if you're not right with God, you will turn your mind to yourself. If you're not right with God, listen, if you do not know the Lord, you will never know true peace. If you, if you set up an idol and you're calling it Jesus, there's no peace in that. Because you're looking to the idol to give you peace. The peace is in Jesus, the one of the Bible. If we allow anything to hide the face of Jesus from us, either will cause us to become troubled or give us a false sense of security. Are you looking to Jesus? We become troubled and confused when we don't look to him and we try to worry our way out of trial. But worry only destroys his effectiveness in us. When we look to him, the confusion stops because there's no confusion in him. There's no confusion in him. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to see the end in sight, right? It's the process. It's not the goal. You don't, we don't have to know it all. Just trust. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, ladies. I love you guys. Have a good flight. <laughs> love you. Uh, they have to catch flight back to Seattle. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> look to Jesus. Just look to Jesus. Lay everything before him. And when you have peace, you will have joy unspeakable. Because the joy is a byproduct of our peace. True peace is in Christ alone. True joy is in Christ alone. Right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not in my circumstances. It's not in what I'm going through right now. It's not in my spouse. It's not in my kids. It's not in my marriage. Right? Because we look at all these things. And they're not right, folks. And listen, if you're not in a storm right now, you will be soon. It's life. We are like, I, I, we're, we're either going into a storm, going through a storm, or coming out of a storm. And there's like brief moments of sunlight in between. We're like, oh, I'll bask in the sunlight before the next storm comes. But how are we going to go through it? How are we going to go through it? He came so that we could have 
peace. Peace. Do you know him? Do you know him? Not like the, not like the Pharisees claim to know him. Not on that day where you go before him and say, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he said, I never knew you. Doesn't matter what you do. Do you know him? Do you know him? Because if you don't know him, if you've set up an idol about who you think he is, you need to know him. You will never have peace if you do not know Jesus. The Jesus that took upon our sins on him, that went to the cross for us, that left all this heavenly glory in order that we might have abundant life in him. Do you know him? If you don't know him, today is your day. It says, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, if you do not know Jesus, I just want to welcome you to come up here and someone's going to pray with you. Atira, you come up here and pray. Uh, play, pray, play and pray. Listen, and I say this all the time, listen, if you can't walk forward in a group of people that love you and care about you, you're not going to walk it out out there. If you need prayer for something today, I just invite you to come forward. If you are in the midst of turmoil and you have no peace, come lay your burden down today and look to Jesus. Stop looking at your circumstances and stop looking at someone else to make it right. Look to Jesus. If you want peace, look to Jesus. If you need peace, look to Jesus. Stop looking at your circumstances. Don't look at, the, don't look at your life right now. Look to Jesus. Maybe you're in the midst of the pestilence. Look to Jesus. If you're in the midst of it right now, look to Jesus. That's all he says. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't always have to know what to do. You see no end in sight. Look to Jesus. If the chasm seems far too wide, look to Jesus. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.